Welcome to Singing Teachers Talk, the podcast that brings you great interviews, insightful discussions and advice around the topic of singing and teaching singing. Now it's over to your host for today's episode. It's me, Alexa Terry. Hello, we've got Hannah Smichael back on the podcast this week, who we spoke with 61 episodes ago on the topic of how to boost a singer's confidence. Hannah, welcome back. How have you been? Oh, so good to be back, Alexa. So good to chat to you today. I'm well, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. And we're back together again to talk about pop styles, your expertise, and particularly to the musical theatre performer. So firstly, what are you currently noticing in your sessions that makes this a necessary topic to discuss? Yes, well, I would say that of recent months, particularly sort of in the last academic year, I've seen um, an influx of singers who have some concerns around their contemporary sound. Um, It might be that they have a module at college or uni that is demanding them to demonstrate a contrasting piece, um, something contemporary with something uh, musical theatre. I've also had students who have come who are auditioning, um, whether that is for drama schools or out kind of for things like ships and, you know, work, you know, working roles. And there has been a increase in, in people being asked to, to produce a more contemporary piece, um, or a contrasting piece and, and that being, a, you know, a pop piece. And, um, and, I feel people are struggling. So, you know, I thought it'd be great to talk about that with you and, and maybe what you see in your students too and, and um, you know, where you hear that resonate as well. What sort of things are you seeing singers struggling with then? Is there something particular? Well, I actually think it's to do with confidence. I think it's confidence in the technical application of what makes something like sound more pop. Um, and I think it's also confidence in choosing repertoire and people having um, confidence that, you know, they're picking a great song for their voice. So I think, I think there's a few themes there. um, But it definitely resonates around um, people knowing their voices, knowing the genre, and knowing how to find their vocal identity within that. And I think that's definitely tricky, particularly, I think, you know, if you have had training in whether that's classical, whether that is musical theatre, or, you know, you've had a particular leaning in your training. um, And then when you're being asked to do something more contemporary, it's okay, how, how do I then sing with this style? What makes this style, this style, what are those sort of unique um, technical applications or ways in which that we can sound more contemporary? And I think that sense of vocal identity um, has been a challenge for some people that have had a more dominant um, training experience within other genres. And as you mentioned, a lot of the auditions that are coming out you're asked to sing a pop rock and we only have to take a look at the shows that are touring around here in the UK at least uh, things that are happening on the West End and on Broadway a fair chunk have got this pop influence so we're looking at things like Heathers, Six, 
Moulin Rouge and Juliet's just done really well, even though sadly it's left the West End now. Hades Town, which is quite folky. You've got Bonnie and Clyde. SpongeBob, which has got a lot of songs written by current artists. Um, Hamilton, Mrs. Doubtfire, like the list is going on. And even the revival of Oklahoma, where that would be classed as a legit musical theatre piece usually, but it's been quite contemporized with things like fry onsets um, and slurs that we would we wouldn't align with legit really and um, we spoke with Dr Matt Edwards recently for episode 89 of the podcast and he was saying how looking at audition breakdowns uh, on Broadway very very few were asking for a golden age song mm. so it just goes to show how popular pop is becoming um and how we're going to need that in our toolbox. So is this still a place for legit, do you think? Well, I think it's still quite a staple, isn't it? For, you know, training um, universities, colleges, academies, I think absolutely. Um, it's, a, it's a really, really good question. Interestingly enough, the other um, kind of vocal um, genre or technical application that I also see singers struggling with is the legit sound um and i think because there is such a well potentially because there's such a contemporary influence in some of the musicals that we're seeing now or the ones that are quite popular particularly with younger singers um we're maybe not hearing that much of that that quality out um where it might have been popular at a time uh, you know now there's definitely like you say that contemporary influence on our on our musicals in in our you know vocal what we're hearing quite a lot in in our in our vocal environment and that is influencing our singers um and so i think uh, aside from people feeling more confident with the pop style i think also i do see some singers struggling with finding their legit sound too because um you know it's potentially just not as popular we're really talking about versatility aren't we because if a musical theatre performer can graduate and know that they can go into something like 42nd Street or Carousel, but they could also, next contract, be in something like Six, they have got way more scope for their career and opportunities. So that is why we want to, as a musical theatre performer, explore all of that, even though some of them might not speak to our particular identity as mm. a singer. Yeah, and that is really difficult, isn't it? We are asking singers to be a vocal chameleon and that is a gold standard <laughs> however um you know i don't know that it's possible for vocalists to do all vocal styles and to do all vocal styles well that expectation is a really high expectation um so you know is that where we want our singers to be i think what you know where i i like to encourage my singers to be is at a place where they have a toolbox and they know that they can choose various options in terms of aligning themselves with a particular genre or sound. Um, you know, should we expect ourselves to be able to sing everything? Well, no, probably not. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, as singers, we feel like maybe we want to, we want to sing it, we want to sing it all, we want to have it all. Um, but I think it, it, we, we also um, need to be kind to ourselves and, and understand, um, I guess understanding our own USPs with our own voices and where we can, where we can really um, 
you know, amplify and make the most of those signature sounds, you know, when you think about particular contemporary artists, for instance, um, Billie Eilish, I think she made a comment sort of that went viral about belting. And she said something like, you know, why does everyone have to belt? You know, I probably misquoted her there. So don't quote me on that. But it was it was, you know, a nod to that. And I just thought, yeah, good for you, because you've built your entire career out of singing with a breathy voice. <laughs> now, some people would say, that's not right maybe does it matter you know she's writing the songs that she wants to sing in the way that she wants to sing them and she's made a fantastic career and has a complete usp and a complete vocal identity with that particular sound so would i want to change that or well, no probably not in pop we are we're almost afforded this flexibility that i feel like we're not necessarily afforded in other genres where you can you can celebrate your own vocal identity and your own USP. Um, and that can become, you know, your real selling point, your, your artistry. Um, you, can, you can build around your own vocal tone, around your own nuances, and it'd be completely acceptable. You don't have to iron out your break, for instance. Whereas I know that would be, um, you know, highly unacceptable in other genres. <laughs> Um, but you can use that as a stylistic tool and flip or yodel or have these moments in the countless artists and contemporary music that do that. Um, so, yeah, I think it's an interesting one, isn't it? I think for a working singer and for somebody who wants a, um, you know, a career with longevity that's quite diverse, I think as a singing teacher or a coach helping your student to understand um different technical approaches and you know having this vast toolbox of being able to kind of um identify vocally with different sounds i think that's really important um should a singer be able to demonstrate them all um i guess it depends on on what that singer wants to do with their career and you have given regular masterclasses for the sing space on pop vocals so before we get into that toolbox and and maybe a checklist of what we can do to pop things up a bit what does it mean to actually sound pop and how do we know if we're doing it right it's almost easier to think about when we don't sound pop and and maybe those times where you know um we recognize that a singer just might not be aligning um, well with the genre um and sometimes that might be you know particular vocal qualities um that don't feel like they align um maybe that could be like a either quite a heavy vibrato or even quite a bleaty vibrato so if we think about something like um you know snow white uh so white's vocal at the beginning of the film there is very sort of high and thin and, and almost a bit i don't know it's probably a better word for it but a bit bleaty let's mm. call it what it is um you know it's not going to sound um very pop <laughs> um so it might even be uh, helpful to think about you know what doesn't sound pop you know um you know julie andrews does she sound pop no I mean, I know these are sort of more of that like legit quality, but you can sing with that thinner voice and sound pop like Billie Eilish, but I wouldn't say that she's necessarily a legit soprano. I think she's just singing with a, you know, a, a breathy voice and, and using really close mic technique and, and it's kind of in this emotional place where she's using that as part of her delivery and that's her stylistic identity. So 
I think within pop, you can have people that, um, you know, use a, a, a breathy or thinner voice like a Billie Eilish kind of character. But then you've equally got people like, you know, your Lizzo's and your Dua Lipa that use maybe more like a speech like quality and they maybe more um, lean into like almost like rapping. And like you talked about Hamilton and the qualities there that you hear in in that kind of musical. Um, you know, and then you've got maybe some some more like beltier diva types, you know, you sort of um, Lady Gaga's and, and I know she definitely draws um, some aesthetics from her voice from a kind of a musical theatre leaning, I, I feel. But, you know, you've got your, your kind of beltier voices as well, a bit of Adele, um, that that kind of a voice. And so I think it's kind of quite hard to pigeonhole what pop sound is. But I think we can hear when it isn't. What tools then can we explore with to guide a singer towards a more pop-like sound? Mm -hmm. Well, I think you talked about the use of vocal fry before um, when you mentioned about um, the Oklahoma revision. And um, I do love a bit of fry. It's got to be it's got to be said. Um, I think using thinking about onsets and offsets. Oh, sorry, I did it. <laughs> it is i was saying the word thinking about your onsets and offsets and the intentionality there is a great tool really to to think about um you know with our contemporary music um i, I yeah i think fry is a, is a fantastic way of, of kind of essentially dirtying something up a little bit but um in a way that's effortless and th that is not going to you know be problematic for your voice um so using that as a, a way to onset your um vowel vowel uh, lead words if you like uh, and having a little bit of uh, that going on <laughs> is quite nice on the entry or on the offset um, and it kind of just dis just has a little disruption doesn't it to the sound and kind of um, like I said sort of dirties it up a little bit just gives it a little bit of of um, it takes a bit of the polish off I think and you know I, I think we've spoken about sort of simultaneous onsets and, and and that beautiful approach to singing and and I'm I'm down for those they have really helpful um but I think um when we have a lot of balance within the voice um you know sort of emotional delivery or um you know I think, I think, yeah, thinking about your onsets is really important. I think, you know, if you're doing something a bit more rap-like um, and you want to kind of energise your consonants and have a little bit more bite on it, um, dare I say using glottal onsets. Um, Carrie Ober, I, I must mention her fantastic course um, and um, that I've just been on the Certificate of Vocal Pedagogy through the Voice Study Centre. I hope I'm okay to mention this, but she is just a fantastic resource and trainer. And, um, you know, she she talks about um, onsets and, and um, how safe they are um, and also um, how useful they can be for our articulation. And I definitely noticed that within pop music, you know, using, you know, you, they don't have to be heavy glottal onsets. You know, we don't need to be coughing up our larynx when we're closing our vocal folds, but having a little sort of a little firmness sometimes um, sporadically within reason um, can be um, useful. Um, and yeah, and just thinking about those those ways to create emotion and create intensity um, is is I think quite helpful. But the fry one in particular, um, like I said, it just it gives you a little bit of edge, but in a in a in a safe way, from what I understand. You, I keep doing it. I'm a big fan, as you can see. Um, I think thinking about. Um, pitching so 
you know, I know sort of within musical theatre, you are, will be expected to sing the dots. And as they're written, I think with pop music, you can push and pull rhythm and you can push and pull pitch. I think approximating pitch, gliding, scooping, swooping, kind of whatever your terminology is up to notes. Um, is acceptable I think combining that with a fry on set ah, that kind of thing is you know great um so kind of pitch gliding up or pitch gliding off offsets again kind of this sort of note drop off is quite popular within um pop music that's another thing that you hear quite a lot in terms of um just having a bit more freedom with um a melody and allowing your own interpretation and your own sense of flow and energy. I think that's something that's quite helpful, just, you know, leaning to your um, individual voice um, is great. I think we've got flexibility there. Um, I like to use um, cry. So again, I'm sure that's definitely used in, in musical theatre, but this idea of um, using cry crying sort of sounds <laughs> you kind of hear this all the way through pop um you know whining divas uh, just to add this emotional intensity in choruses and just to give that little bit of you know um yeah essentially intensity in in the voice um that's really useful really helpful um Riffing is something that I think we hear a lot in contemporary music even if that's as simple as like I hear this all the time, a little three note run, little three note walk down, um, or a little like semitone step up, a little like grace note almost to get into a higher note. Sometimes we put in, add in a sort of a half step to get up to the big note. And that seems to be quite an unconscious thing, um, going up uh, to bigger notes and then also coming off uh, notes or a sustained note you might hear like a three note little rundown I hear Jesse J doing those quite um naturally but then in terms of like riffing and or ornamentation um you know there's a whole lot of that going on with um contemporary music that I guess would you know sort of set it apart from other genres where we're hearing that you know quite frequently and that's quite celebrated as well you know in contemporary contemporary vocals you know people want to know how to riff um you know how, how can you make runs um you know sort of smooth and effortless um and how you know how you can work on your vocal agility so i think you know leaning into that that is something that can kind of help a singer sound more contemporary um for sure um i think when we're thinking about vibrato i think it's worth just being mindful of the use of vibrato and sometimes it can be quite difficult to sort of naturally pull it back but depending on what your song is, depending on what your context, your environment is that you're maybe performing in, for instance, if you were part of a band and you were the lead singer of a band and, and you had two backing vocalists, but you've got quite a present vibrato or quite a wide vibrato, for instance, um, how well would that blend with, you know, your backing vocalists and, and thinking about that kind of thing. So, yeah, I think vibrato has its place within contemporary music. But I think the rate of the vibrato and the um, frequency of it being used and the context is something to be mindful of um, in terms of the application there with with individual vibrato, I would say there. Um, yeah, 
and I think, you know, consonants, um, consonants can kind of, we can, we can do either thing when it comes to our consonants. Like I say, with the sort of more leaning to the kind of contemporary dance upbeat, like I sort of mentioned, like your Lizzo, your Dua Lipa, um, even Ed Sheeran, people like that, they, um, use a lot of kind of emphasized consonants to really, um, articulate well. So I think that can work really well with that sort of, um, pop singing um but equally um most recently i did a um pop masterclass and one of the songs that we looked at was um pixie lots cry me out now she pretty much dropped all the t's in the chorus so it actually sounds like that she's singing cry me out um <laughs> you'll have to cry meow which um you know it's just interesting because you know what the words are, but when you listen to it, it's like, oh, I'm not hearing that. <laughs> um, but it would sound weird. And I know she, I, I'm pretty sure she has a background in musical theatre, but you know, this sort of at the end would just sound strange off the back of like this real heartbreak, emotional song that she's in and she's singing this chorus. And if we just at the end of each line it would just feel a bit weird um and so i think you know depending on I, you know the, these aren't hard and fast rules it's looking at the context of the song the style the feel the yeah the environment and and like i say context is important so with something like a song like that you know i wouldn't say that she should um emphasize her consonants because it's going to feel too intense but for that she dropped a consonants and actually it, it gave a more emotional delivery and that was right for that song so you know i think um yeah these aren't hard and fast rules by any means it's um you know just thinking about what the song is at hand and how best you can use these different tools to serve the outcome that you are after but if we think about some of the context again we bring it back to context and think about well what what is a pop singer's you know environment well they're most likely going to be using a microphone every time the, you know they might have in-ear monitors and so their microphone um technique might be quite close mic'd do they need to you know kick their k's and you know emphasize those t's and s's well no because that's probably going to be slightly more problematic with the, the microphone actually um so again it's thinking about context and you know where is this performer going to perform okay so if it's an audition for instance and they're not going to be mic'd okay that's something to consider however i think it's about thinking about the the genre and the feel and something that I come back to quite a lot is authenticity and the authenticity of the delivery and so I think there is a little bit more flexibility with things like articulation uh, although I don't know people might disagree with me but I think I would prefer to hear a singer that was giving me 100% authenticity and 70% articulation I would, I would, I think in this genre, it's about, um, I don't know, it's sort of being, being believable is important, but not in an acting way, if that makes sense, is seeing an authenticity, a vulnerability in a performance, in a resonance with what that singer is saying and what they're meaning, what they're showing. And I think that can be really, really important with pop, particularly your ballads and, and your, you know, you know, your more emotional deliveries and you know, R&B and soul, gospel, um, you know, folk music, country music, you know, lots of love songs and, 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 
and kind of ballad type repertoire, you know, I, when I go to a gig, I want to feel something. I want to listen to that songwriter and I want to be moved. Um, that's the beauty of live music, isn't it? Is we go and we want, we just want to feel something. We want to be changed by that experience. We want to, when we see into that person's soul, then you want them to see into yours as well. It's this really beautiful connection. And that 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 is, you know, one of the beautiful things within contemporary music is that we can really deliver that to our audience. And um, and I I would forgive someone's articulation. Out of the tools that you mentioned, the fries, the riffs, the kind of swoops and slurs, is there anyone in particular that you find singers struggle with the most? Mm all of them <laughs> oh well yeah kind of um i think it depends on their background but i think um i think if you've had a particular experience of training where maybe you've been using sheet music or you know you've you've had this experience where it's really important to adhere to the rules essentially you know we're reading the dots we're singing the dots the rhythm and the pitch is what's on the page moving away from that slightly you know, yes, we have to sing in time and in tune in contemporary vocals. Yes, we do. But there is a slight flexibility with interpretation, with delivery, with, um, you know, even we can change keys. Mm. Yeah, like we change, I mean, I change keys all the time. You know, my larynx is not Beyonce's larynx. So I don't want to sing love on top like that. Thanks. The idea that, you know, our larynxes are able to kind of um, just be some sort of template that just can fit on everybody else's is is, is bonkers. And, you know, from my um, advocation of, of vocal health, we, we have to think about that as, as a performer. And, and I know that's not right for every genre. So, again, what we're afforded within kind of contemporary music is that we can have some more flexibility. And I, and I think that's really helpful. But also, I think it's a real shift for people. It can be a real mindset shift and say, right, okay, well, oh, well, I can change the key to optimize my voice here. Yes. You know, oh, um, you know, I can sort of approximate the rhythm a little bit and push and pull that. Yes. You know, and actually by doing these things, they make the song more individual. And I think if you are going to do work in terms of things like um, cruise ships or maybe things like um, function band work or performing, um, you know, on an entertainment agency or something like that, um, I think by retaining a little bit of you in there rather than doing your best impression of a particular singer, um, you know, and demonstrating like their their voice, I think if you can retain a little bit of you and, and you're owning that song, that cover, that, you know, um, that artist song, you are delivering your sense of artistry and you're holding on to your vocal identity within that framework of the song. And I think that's a really brilliant thing. Um, so I do think singers struggle with all of those things, um, particularly those that have, you know, been taught from a framework where, you know, it is about precision, it is about delivery, it is about, you know, replication um, and having a particular desired sound and a desired technical um, outcome that is very precise. And there is absolutely a place for that. And we need that 100%. Um, I just see singers struggling who have adopted that mindset and then I say 
um, we're going to fry the onset and we're going to approximate some of these pitches. And rather than singing on the beat, which again, that's something that people struggle with is, you know, we're, we're just going to let it, we're just going to let it flow. We're just going to, we're just going to roll with it a little bit. And, and we're kind of taking some of these frameworks away that feel for some people, um, quite disorienting, like, oh, uh, okay. Um, I, I haven't really sung like this before. Um, and so that that can be interesting for singers to explore that and to think about, okay, how does my voice with all of this training and precision and you know you know this excellent vocal technique, how do I use this and put it into this framework? And this is all really relevant stuff because, as you mentioned about the cruise ship contracts, I remember when I did mine, we we were taught the music, but luckily we were allowed to do our own thing within that if we weren't boxed in, um, which was really great, which was really great for us. And equally, the musical theatre performer might graduate and want to start up gigging whilst they're in between auditions. And this stuff is going to be more in line with where they might be performing rather than being in the audition room. So having that flexibility to respond to the, the environment that they're in and pull out of their tool bag what is appropriate in that in that moment. How do we know what suits us? Like, um, a couple of people have spoken about like doing a little pick and mix, try out a fry, listen to your favourite artists and see what they do and try it on yourself. And if it's not the right fit, you just go to a different clothes shop, if you like, and pick a different pair of trousers. I think some of those ideas that you've mentioned already are really great places to start. And um, usually when I'm working with a singer, I will ask them, you know, what do you like to sing? Who Who do you like to listen to? No one knows the answer to that question, can I just say. I've asked and everyone's like, oh, I don't know. Like, who do you listen to? Pull up Spotify. <laughs> I think they're just worried that, the you know, they'll S Club 7s and I will go with S Club 7. That is not a bad thing. Guilty pleasures will be coming out, right? Um, no, but that's exactly what I do. And they'll, they'll have a blank and then they'll say they don't know. And I'm like, well, what is on your Spotify playlist? I'm like, get out your phone. <laughs> so we do, we do that and we're like, okay, let's have a little scroll. And then they go oh like what's that one what have you just owed at okay let's try that and i think you know going with particularly younger singers now that's been really helpful actually in just building confidence by singing what people like to hear and starting with that and i think you know even just like some simple things like what's your vocal range i mean it's not you know, it's not, you know, rocket science, but like, you know, there are plenty of singers that will want to sing songs that just won't suit them purely on maths. <laughs> you know, um, where, where, where's your lowest comfortable note, dear? Where's your highest comfortable note? And then, and also maybe not, let's not just pay attention to those two, two note values, but also what happens in the middle? <laughs> Um, cause you know, there's going to be a chorus in there. That's probably going to hit like that C, right? And yeah, let, let's see what happens there. But also where is your superpower? Where's your superpower? What is that thing? When I close my eyes and you sing, I go, that's your voice because that's what we want to pull out from. So, you know, are you really great down at the bottom end? Are you really sultry and rich and have a lovely chest voice and one thick fold, whatever you want to call it. And you just love to sit there and you're really great here. And that comes easy peasy to you. 
sing there so let's look at some artists that just ooze that kind of you know vibe you know can we think of some soul singers some jazz singers let's look at a little bit of ella let's you know what can we what you know who can we find that actually fits with your voice not necessarily your voice fitting with theirs but let's let's find some alignment in genre within contemporary vocals as you said there's you know there's lots of different avenues that we can go down it doesn't necessarily mean what's been in the charts in the last six months because that might not be to our taste or maybe to our kind of vocal um, suitability. So let's think about, you know, what's your vocal superpower and what makes you, you uniquely you? And, and likewise, you know, it might be somebody that, you know, loves to sing up high and they've got a, you know, really great sort of head voice. Well, I, I, you know, it might be that we go, hey, let's, you know, whack out some Billie Eilish. Let's, you know, sing when the party's over. She's right up there, like toppy singing in her thinniest thin sound. <laughs> and yeah, that's beautiful for you because you can nail that. Um, you know, and other singers who have got like more of a beltier range that were quite happy to take all that, you know, weightier, beltier sound up through the middle, they're probably not going to do so well with the Billie Eilish. Maybe we go Jess Glynn, you know, maybe we think about somebody or, you know, or, a, or an Adele type that, you know, uses all, all of that um, vocal superpower to their advantage. And so I think, yeah, not only just looking at kind of your vocal range, but also kind of what, what, are, those, what are those things that you do really well that are, you know, uniquely you and that we can use there to kind of really showcase your voice and, and, and align it with a contemporary artist or, or or a kind of a you know a, a subgenre within within contemporary vocals that would really um, showcase the best of what you've got to offer to um, an audition panel to um, or you know during a performance you know what 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 will align well and what will what will you know what will represent you well. I remember speaking to Dr. Trinice Robinson Martin um, about authentic voice, finding your authentic voice, and she was talking about how teachers of musical theatre were coming out and saying that they just didn't know how they could identify in contemporary music because they always had the contextual baggage of the character and the background and, and all of that to support their choices. So exploring pop like this actually gives the musical theatre performer the opportunity to be, as you say, flexible and experience what they are as an individual singer and then to be able to infuse that in their musical theatre performances as well. Um, and then looking at like the acting through song stuff, as I just mentioned, you have a you have a whole script to to check out the facts and then fill in the holes with musical theatre. You can you can research the background, the time that it's being performed in. There's a lot that we can do. But when we're looking at pop, we don't have that. So how could you help a musical theatre performer still give a performance that is in, in alignment with what they might be expected of, but that isn't eggy <laughs> and that isn't overplayed, but is quite authentic to the style that they're singing? Yeah. Yeah. And I think you could look at it in, in a couple of different ways. You can look at it um, in terms of being authentic to the style. So to the style of music, the style of singing. So does it feel like it aligns with what you can hear um, the original singer demonstrating? So that's, I guess, one way of thinking about authenticity and whether it feels like it aligns with um, that that genre, that delivery. But I think in terms of being authentic in your performance, I think it's about that performer having a synergy with the song. Um, and, and quite often that's through the lyric. 
Um, and so I'll talk with singers about songs that they've chosen. I'll say, you know, where do you resonate with this, with this lyric? You know, what can almost, what can you hang your hat on here? Um, now sometimes I will say, and I'll put this disclaimer out there, that's not always appropriate. Um, sometimes if it's maybe like quite an emotional song or a personal song or something like that, or particularly if a songwriter has written it, sometimes that can be too intense and, and actually maybe be dis distracting or take the performer into a place that actually feels unhelpful. So with that, I will sort of say, be mindful, you know, I guess talking to the singing teachers here, being mindful about when you're um, exploring kind of meaning and resonance um, lyrically with with singers, you know, be mindful of, of where that might be for that performer. And particularly, I guess, if it's a songwriter and they're singing their own personal story, sometimes it's, you know, and I've done that before, you know, I've, I've you know, written and recorded quite a few songs over my career. And sometimes it can be a lot to actually be vulnerable brewing vulnerability there's a real balance between vulnerability and authenticity and i think yes we want to communicate we're there to communicate we're there to to, to give a a delivery that feels like we're connecting and, and it's um, a beautiful exchange between you and your audience but at the same time, we want to keep our performers safe. There's a, there's a, a, an element of where we want just that thin veiling. I think sometimes um, that can be helpful. That just protects us protects us as a performer, where we don't go in so deep with the authenticity that we go to a place that feels you know quite exposed. So I think there's a balancing act there to have with authenticity. Um, and I think as singing teachers. Um, it's about being mindful about about that for that particular performer. But, you know, um, if we're singing, you know, um, it's about damn time uh, <laughs> um, by Lizzo, which I have done recently at a gig. Um, there was no real fear of me um, kind of <laughs> being so vulnerable that it was going to take me to a dark place. But I will say with a song like that, the authenticity in that it still applies. I loved singing that because it was so much fun. I loved it. And, you know, there's just a real energy, I think. Um, and like I say, about having a synergy, a singer having a synergy with a song, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that it means that you go into this really like intense space of vulnerability and that, it, you know, it's like, oh, I'm bearing my soul here. There's elements where you can deliver um, a resonant performance with a lyric but like I say it doesn't have to mean that it's a, a dark thing or an overwhelming thing or an intensely emotional thing you know um, uh, particularly with a, like an upbeat song like that where it's actually about fun it's about feeling good it's about you know um, singing out into the room that you're here for a great time and that everyone's going to have a great time tonight you know you can really bring an energy and a synergy into the room and still deliver an authentic performance but you know without you know going the whole you know sort of method acting wow we've gone to an intense space but I do think finding a resonance with the lyric is helpful and if that is unhelpful for a performer then thinking about um you know how they might sing that lyric to a friend so removing maybe uh, you know yourself solely from that lyric you know um so if you take something like um Adele's go, you know, easy on me. So if you think go easy on me, um, you know, I was still a child. Um, I didn't get the chance to 
um, feel the world around me? You know, what does that mean? What does that mean for you? And if it actually feels too much to sort of sing truthfully and honestly and authentically, you know, go easy on me, like, if that if that feels like it's too much, maybe you've been through a breakup, or you know, maybe think about how much uh, what it would sound like if that you were singing that to your best friend, you know, if your best friend was in that situation. Um, and you wanted to almost, almost sing them some advice, you know, so you're kind of removing yourself from that completely vulnerable situation. And you're kind of maybe singing to another person and, and, and sort of having this conversational dialogue with, with someone or just shifting the focus from a completely internal resonance to sort of a slightly a one step removed. I'm going to still sing this authentically with sort of truth and, and resonance, but just, a step removed from that and and I think that can be helpful because it it makes it it makes it personal it has an it has an element of it being um real or an element of lived experience and and I think sometimes when we are um singers who sing covers quite frequently it can get quite um autonomic or robotic where you're just singing the same I mean I don't know how many times I've sang Valerie in my life it must be into the thousands and I'm not even joking and like you know you can get to the point where you're just like well sometimes you know oh my god this song again yay um and you really have to find something to hang your hat on to give a performance that feels good it feels fresh it's like the first time you know and like you say I think with theatre sometimes you've always got that character to pull back on to draw from the context the script the you know you've kind of got a whole bedding behind you of, of of why that song might mean something in that moment but when you're just kind of you know you might have an hour set on a ship or in a bar or in a wherever and you're going literally through the decades of contemporary music or you might be singing an hour of chart stuff you know where can you find um resonance with everyone through the ages you know and it's quite difficult we spoke with joe sear for episode 105 of this podcast about teaching popular music styles and she recently did some research investigating a potential curriculum uh, and a framework for training popular music singing teachers and in that research the feedback she collected was that whilst teaching stylistic devices is useful like the fry on sets and things that we spoke about earlier there was some concern that this could become too nuts and bolts and maybe dilute this individuality what are your thoughts on that and and does that differ slightly depending on who you're teaching yes potentially <laughs> um i think i think a framework can be helpful particularly for people that have maybe no um sort of exposure to, to well i mean not no exposure to contemporary music but you know what i mean like having very little um repertoire awareness to draw from um or very little kind of awareness of the technical differences and applications of contemporary vocals to other genres like classical musical theater other other genres um even other subgenres within contemporary music to be fair um so I do think it's helpful maybe to have a framework, um, but I also agree that um, for some people, if they're thinking, gosh, I must remember a fry on set and I must remember a scoop and I have to, um, you know, glide my offsets and I need to think about riffing, three note runs and I, I need to do, you know, it gets a little bit overwhelming, doesn't it? And um, then we start to do things not very well and then we pull away from that authentic performance because we're too busy thinking about the checklist. Mm. So I think, you know, adding just 
some color of the of, of these of these um techniques thinking about the theme what is the overall feel what is the overall sound what do you expect to hear and if that's a difficult question to answer go back to thinking about the beginning where we sort of talked about well what do we hear that's not <laughs> that's not pop you know what can you definitively say that doesn't feel very pop you know so you know thinking about okay well if you can demonstrate in an audition that you can nod to a contemporary sound because you've thrown in a couple of fry on sets and you've just had a little bit more flexibility with the the, the rhythmic feel and and the melodic feel so there is maybe a, a you know a, a little a little gliding work and it's it's less sort of precise well then that's going to feel more contemporary mm. and i don't think it means that you, i don't think it means that you have to hit everything on on a on a checklist but i think if you're able to demonstrate that you have an awareness of what this sound is and that you can deliver some of these attributes then i think that's a great place to start um and also remembering to give this idea of an authentic delivery and i think those two things together will work really really well in starting to find your contemporary voice mm. So just to round off then, if there was one piece of advice that you could give somebody like a musical theatre performer or somebody who hadn't even really sung pop before, what would that be to start exploring this genre type? Mm, good question. I think for me, awareness is key. And I think a singer knowing themselves and knowing their voice is a great place to start. Because if you're aware of all the things that you do really, really well, and like I said, I like to talk to my singers about their vocal superpower or their artistic superpower or the thing that really sets them apart. What do you do well, the best? What's your best? Then we can start to think about, okay, well, how can we use that in your performances? Or how can we use that in an audition room? How can we showcase that? And then when we're thinking about that within sort of contemporary vocals, we can then think about what repertoire might give them an opportunity to demonstrate that within some of these technical applications. Um, because I do think that contemporary music gives us the opportunity to showcase our unique sound and there's flexibility for all shapes, sizes, voices, larynxes, you know, all colours, all timbres, all thick, thin, breathy, belty. It's it's all of the things. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think for a singer to have freedom to explore that is really, really amazing and really important for a singer to give themselves the freedom to explore that um, because that can be really um, quite an empowering journey just to start to explore their voice through um, a, you know a different genre that maybe they are not used to exploring but really getting to know their voice really well through it I think is quite exciting for singers um, so I would really encourage singers to start to generate a really great awareness of of um, you know, what goes right for you? <laughs> and where can you use that and use that well? And then equally, you know, what, where, where are those areas in your voice or your technique, your pedagogy, your toolbox that you feel like actually you could use a little bit of support with? So, you know, can you get into a fry? <laughs> you know, really easy one. If that's something that we're hearing a lot at the moment, you know, can, can you switch that on on demand? If you can't, 
get some help with it you know that's fine you know that's what we're here to do as, as singing teachers we're you know here to um help with those tools and and you know it's it's great to be able to to do that and to help singers find those elements that will help them with their contemporary sound um so yeah that's kind of what i would say there is just you know having your own sense of vocal awareness is is really important and then thinking about how to maximize that your usp what's your usp and then start to think about what genres repertoire artists might well align with um yourself and if you're stuck with that you know um approach a vocal coach who has experience in contemporary voice that was you know will be able to give you some great ideas be able to give you some artists some playlists some recommended songs that would work for you and your vocal range and i think that's really important and also you can change the keys amazing hannah where can people find out more about you and get in touch Yep. So at Vocal Performance Coaching is my Instagram and Facebook handle and vocalperformancecoaching.com is my website. And yeah, please do reach out, get in touch. I've got a few um, reels actually on my uh, Instagram, very short little reels that talk about um, pop vocal tips. So all of the things that we've talked about today, you fry, you cry, your riffs and things like that. I've broken those down, those little tips into very short um, reels for people to watch and, um, and, and learn from. And it's something that I'm really passionate about. So really happy to support vocalists in this area. Amazing. Thank you, Hannah. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. And thank you for keeping me company today. Amazing. Thank you so much. Looking to expand your vocal knowledge and add to your teacher toolbox? Then you're in the right place. BAST are here to guide you with our membership, a growing virtual library packed with educational videos spanning a whole host of voice teacher topics. It's just £1 for the first two weeks and £6 each month after that. Now that's what I call a bargain. To join, just head to our website, www.basttraining.com.